Guess who has a bard? It's season four of World Walkers. Hopscotch is a bard on season four of World Walkers with Layla, Harold, and Dyson. They'll stop the bad guys or die trying. Let's see what's in store on season four of World Walkers. What's up, everyone? I'm Pedro, the GM and creator of World Walkers, a weekly D&D podcast where four world lost travelers are trying to find out where they are and why. Hi, I'm Callie, and I'm playing Layla, the middle-aged elven druid who likes to stick her nose in everybody's business. Hi, I'm Jess. I play Hopscotch, a human bard that likes to party a little bit too much. Hi, I'm Frank. I'm playing Dyson Kyocho Belrock, a dwarf barbarian who's only good at fighting. Hi, my name is Wesley. I will be playing the goblin gunslinging ranger Harold, who looks to free the oppressed with stealth and guns. Our travelers have found themselves in Mercurius, the city of dreams. They've explored, they've drank, and in some cases they've been forcibly excused. Now, after speaking to a kind old halfling in the Tower of Inspiration, the group heads out towards something called the Court of Walkers, hoping to find their saviors and hopefully answers. Let's find out what happens in Season 4, Episode 8 inscrutable yeah so you've just finished up a conversation with a uh, lovely lady in front of the tower of inspiration and you were given a lead as to where you should find uh the people that saved you but it's up to you what do you do now i mean she told us that if we just walk somewhere with the intention of going there we will get there so yep i'm planning on doing I walk with the intention of going to the Court of the Walkers. Likewise. Same. Hopscotch, you in? Well, I I am intending to walk, so I'm trying to test it out by not having to move my feet. (laughs) I just want to see if I go there. You don't. You watch as they start walking away. What kind of place is this? (laughs) Come on, Hopscotch. (laughs) Fine, fine, fine. But I want to have duck feet. Duck feet. Right? If I want it. Right, can I have it? Roll a charisma check. 19, bitches. <laughs> so all of you begin to journey forward. You all understand where you want to go. But as you take a look back to make sure that Hopscotch is walking with you, Hopscotch is waddling along with you. What? How? Did you... How? Intention. 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 <laughs> Hopscotch, your feet are really quacking me up. <laughs> yeah, Dyson's going to look and go, all right, <clears throat> just kind of shrug her shoulders, just where we're at now. I wanted to have a little bit of plumage out my butt, but I thought that was dead. I'd be like, counting <laughs> <laughs> Dyson as, so as a, as a As a man who knows plumage, you don't want butt plumage. Oh, my God. That's an, that's an advanced technique. I'm twerking with my little feathers. Trick your tail oh feathers. Oh, God. Say shake your tail feathers. <laughs> quack, 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 quack. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> I said I was ready. I know. I'm just finding my own place. <laughs> um, <laughs> so as you begin to walk the streets of Mercurius, uh, 
you could easily see how you would get lost amongst the streets, but since you know where you want to go and you keep that thought <coughs> at the uh, forefront of your mind, it's not too long before you just kind of find your way through the city streets and make your way before what must be the court of the, the court of walkers. And as you walk up, you can see that there's like a there's a beautiful landscape before you, and then further back there's a building. But in front of you lies a beautiful courtyard. The grass is full of life, kept to a perfect length with the walkway stretching forward before spreading out to encompass a statue of a cloaked individual. It's difficult to see the details of the statue from where you are, but it stands tall. Beyond it, a magnificent round building with many windows that give it plenty of sunshine, which this city seems to have from all angles somehow. All right. Can I walk up to the statue and inspect it? Yeah. Are you all making your way through the courtyard? Move north to statue. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So you begin walking um, along the path that leads to the statue, and you notice uh, not too far away from the statue, in the middle of the, uh, on the left side of the uh, walkway, there's this um, large tree that kind of uh, grows to about maybe 15 feet tall. And it has a kind of a weathered old look as if it's been here for a long time. And once you get about halfway into the courtyard, the tree stirs. It starts to shift. Its branches kind of uh, spread out a little bit. You can hear the bark kind of break as it starts to... Uh, find itself and then before you know it dozens and dozens of trees erupt from the ground they just they the walkway itself kind of shatters as it gives way to ground and then more and more trees break out before you know it you seem to find yourself in this wildly shaping forest it's not like the memory forest you don't feel like a fear in your heart that it found you this is a completely new uh, wildlife before you and they keep growing in a way that makes you feel like they're never going to stop erupting from the ground I stop moving like whoa and then you stop and then suddenly uh, you feel the ground shift and shake as that original tree that you saw breaks out of the ground behind you and rises up Hello? Alright, so... Big-ass tree. Yeah, but it's like more than one, right? Yeah, you're... Like, would you, you feel say like that it was a... plumaging? No, I would never. Would you say that you had a plethora of trees? The largest tree seems rather imposing and seems to almost keep growing. Like, in your, in your mind, you know that it's not growing. But it just gives this presence that lets you know that you are you are not to come anywhere closer, right? And then you watch as the trees start to shift and create a path for a uh, individual to start approaching you. Is a uh, tallest gentleman of disproportionate physique. He walks with an air about him, seemingly in the middle of deep contemplation. Or maybe something's on his mind and he's working through it. His mousy brown hair gives him the look of either youthful intelligence or wild happenstance. He's wearing a uh, tweed jacket with a nice uh, button-up shirt underneath. And he 
starts uh, slowly approaching you. What's the, his face look like? Like, is he look like? What's his expression? I mean. Well, it looks like he's in the middle of contemplating something else, but then eventually he brings his gaze to you, and he just starts looking you up and down, trying to assess you. Is he? Uh, I'm assuming he's human, yes. as we can tell. Okay. He gets pretty close to you all, and he kind of leans forward, and he says, first timers, possibly." Definitely lucid dreamers, obviously, considering the context of our <laughs> well, visit. Apparently. Um, looks you up and down one more time. He says, if I had to, hmm, if I had to guess, you're here because you feel like you're supposed to be possibly in desperate need of some answers. Yes. Sort of, I suppose. We wanted to thank the two people that helped us. Yes. Mm, who would they be? Oh, man. One of them, we don't know the other one's name, but the one I heard was Hadir. Hmm. And he kind of nods and says, okay, okay. Well, um, I think they'll be okay. And the trees kind of shift a little bit. And then he says, no, no, no. They're guests. It's fine. And one by one, the trees start to just slowly find their way back into the earth. And then there's only the last one, the largest one that's behind you. And its branches reach out. And it seems to bring all of you into an embrace. It's like a very warm, kind of welcoming embrace. But also it kind of gives you comfort like uh, the kind of comfort that a loved one would maybe a grandmother and then it pulls back and it shifts back into the ground and before you know it it's just kind of back where it was as if it never moved and you find yourself back in the courtyard once again Dyson would have hugged it instinctually just because of like that kind of like Physical contact with like, oh shit, like, what? Like, yeah, Layla would have kind of hugged it back too, but a little just like kind of in awe slightly. <laughs> and he says, uh, I suppose we should probably make our way inside. Yeah. Yes, that would be very nice. All right, so. You make your way down the path once more, and um, you approach, and you're beginning to pass the statue. Oh, may we inspect the statue? Hmm. Yes, of course. And he kind of stops and smiles. He looks like he feels like he figured something out when you said that, but you can't tell if he actually figured out something, or if he's just playing coy, or what, what his deal is. This dude's inscrutable. All right, um, I'm going to gingerly walk off towards the statue. <laughs> All right. Make sure I don't get uh, impaled by a tree. <laughs> sure. That hugging tree is going to kill you. The statue before you is made of solid copper. It depicts an individual wearing a cloak that drapes the entire figure all the way down to their heavy, thick boots. Underneath, you can see that they wear some weathered slacks, it looks like, and maybe a tucked-in button-up shirt. And if you stare at the cloak of the statue long enough, you find that it seems to have 
the etchings of stars all throughout, and you could swear they almost shine. The figure is completely covered. Their face is unseeable, save for a goatee that sticks out from underneath the hood of the cloak, almost three inches in length. If you're looking for a face, you can't find one, but the statue does seem to be looking upwards, and around one shoulder hangs a, a satchel. That is the most magnificent statue I've ever seen. Harold would yeah, Harold lean over and say, Who is that? Wait, who are you? Yes. Uh you may simply call me Professor. Okay. You're not gonna turn into like a dark monster with weird heads. Or like a slab. Yeah. He just kinda looks at you. I don't like that he did not answer no. Who's the statue? Ah, uh, that individual has well, if you want to impress him, call him Patch. Patch. Patch, okay. That impresses him. Sure. All right. Just kind of nods. Well, to the building? Sure. All right, so you walk forward, and there, there's, there are no doors to this building until he gets close. And then they seem to kind of etch themselves in, almost like someone is tracing them or drawing them they kind of just scratch in and then they suddenly become doors and it's perfectly timed to when he puts the door puts his hand forward and pushes the door open for you wait okay is it safe you're confused and he says well i'm gonna go in there too what do you think i'm just saying i followed a man into a forest earlier and did not have the best experience this dream seems to be repeating itself (laughs) In he a seems... way that I'm not comfortable with. <laughs> he has a kind of a, a weird look on his face, and he goes, well, that that sounds creepy. That was a bit creepy, but you you do know the, the fellows that helped us, right? Oh, yes. Okay, well. Well, if you guys are okay with it. I mean, last time I was in the wrong here, so I might follow Hopscotch's lead here. <laughs> uh, I mean, why not? Let's do it. Okay. Well, if Hopscotch is in... I, like, slap my foot on the ground. (laughs) Let's go. Sure. He he Um, looks down and he's like, excellent footwear. I'm saying. Everybody's going to be wearing these soon. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Dyson's Dyson's cool with going in because he's like, well, I ain't... The one to kill us, the trees would have done it already. Mm, He kind of shakes his head. He goes, no, the trees are incapable of killing. You would just never find your way there. Mm, well, I've already been a tree today, so... <laughs> yes, inside of a tree. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of swallowed me. Yeah, you're not going to ask me my true name, are you? This is a, a bit of a sore spot. <laughs> are you, are you going to have your point, grandson but... die and then just <laughs> get over it really fast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps we do need some answers. <laughs> yes, we need a lot of answers. He just kind of looks at you all and he's like... I feel we both need answers to our questions. All right, I suppose we should go in then. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm with going in, uh, but I also like the premise that we're like, cool, if this is a trap, we're going in further. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. He goes in first. He feels like he's figured out the, uh, this is a puzzle that is spread before him, and he just put in the last piece because he's going in first. Oh, yes, well. I'll go in after him, I guess. <laughs> it seems okay. <laughs> Going in. I'm, I'm going to wait till the end. You know, my feet, I have to cast a wide berth. Wide load here. 
flap, flap, Wide flap. load. It really works the glutes. <laughs> <laughs> really works the glutes. Oh, yeah, I'll go in first. Harold, yeah, Harold follows in second with his hand close on his weapon. Yep, so one by one, you each make your way in, and once inside the building, you can see the halls wrap around, allowing you to travel to the left or right, but always in a circular path. The floors are tiled with stars etched into the floor, and on the walls are paintings the most realistic you've ever seen of various individuals of many ancestries. And you come inside, the door quietly shuts behind you. It does not fade away. No, no need. You feel like you could leave if you wanted to at any point. Professor? Yes. Are these the walkers? Um, and he kind of <sighs> takes a moment. He says, they, they were. This is a hall of memories. Oh. One that we used to celebrate those. Remember those who are no longer with us anymore. We shall be very respectful in here. I am sorry for your loss. Losses. Thank you. There are some of these people I even knew once. And with that, he just kind of shrugs and continues walking. He does not go left or right, though. He goes forward to a large painting, maybe the largest painting in this area, actually. And he stands before it, and it's a painting of a dwarf with a powerful ginger beard, a small collection of messy hair retreating from all sides of his head. His eyebrows are as thick as they are forceful, but there's a kindness in his eyes. And he kind of stands before it for a second, and then once he does... The painting fades away, and there's a new hallway that opens with doors on both sides. I'll follow him. Yeah, this place is fucking cool, by the way. And he says, um, I feel it's best if I give you a tour first, because there's many things about this entire building. that It's going gonna, it's gonna to take a lot to kind of break it down to you and distill the very essence of it. He's walking by these various doors, right? And then you see one door that it's uh, big and bold and it has almost a shimmering surface as you walk by. He's like, I would love to show you this door. However, as you can see, and he pushes it forward and it opens and he does his expression doesn't change. He's just like, hmm. and you look inside the room and there's nothing really in it. It's, it's a very small, beautiful room, well lit by no light source that you can see, but placed in the middle of the room, there is this almost two-dimensional reflective surface. It looks like you're staring just in a a mirror that doesn't see you. And at that precise moment, two individuals drop out of the mirror, like shoulders first. They are the individuals that you originally saw. And one of them looks up, and it's Hadir. A deer. It's the one that specifically saved you, Dyson. And he looks up and he looks at uh, the individual that's been escorting you through. And he goes, did you, did you just, did you bring them here? And the individual that's with you, he just raises an eyebrow and cocks his head a bit. And with that, he leaves. I'm so glad you're alive. And he, he stands up and he tries to gain his senses, and then the other person, they stand up as well, and they've still got their hat, and they look around, and they're just kind of wordless. <laughs> Are we not supposed to be here? 
And the other individual, they say, no, no, this is good that you're here. Just they don't say anything for a second. And then Hadir speaks up and goes, we just don't understand the professor. That makes, and Harold quickly counts, seven of us. Wait, hold <laughs> what does what it, why is it under, not understandable, I suppose? What? Just can't ever tell if he's brilliant or wayward. <laughs> Where were you guys at? We thought we lost you at the, the chasm. No, we were attempting to find our way back here so that we could, well, we need to find Obsissimus. And then the other individual, uh, they kind of roll their eyes and they're like, that is such a pretentious name. Before we do any of that, and they look at you, they go, how are all of you? Worse for wear, I think, still, but alive, but dreaming? I am unfortunately a little drunk. I'm doing great. I'm Harold. Hadir's uh, partner looks down and says, uh, I see you're becoming quite acquainted with Mercurius. And, uh, they say that as they look at Hopscotch. <laughs> hey, you know what? Just go with the flow, right? They just kind of stare. You either got to get in this whirlpool or get out. Oh, my God. <laughs> you either make this horse and ride it or you don't. And uh, Hadir says, well, I'm sure you have lots of questions. And it will just make things a lot easier if we get that out of the way rather than try to go about our business. Uh, how did we get here? And uh, Hadir, uh, there's a smile that creeps across his face. And he's like, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. How did you do that? And the other individual steps forward and says, we <laughs> worked very hard to shift the door to lead you here because we thought it might be a little dangerous if you showed up somewhere else. So welcome to Mercurius. Hopefully you enjoy your stay. But like, how did we get to the first place we were at? Well, yes. Well, that's where I guess we have to fess up the uh, the individual with the hat says. Um, we don't know because we weren't there for you. Wait, what, do you what do you mean you weren't there for us? Like you weren't where we were for us? You were there for someone else? <laughs> we were there for no one. We were there to check out Phelan, which is a lost world that never existed. And we were trying to find out how it all come together when... By the time we got there and started really making some progress, suddenly the whole world shattered. And I don't know if that's because of you, but once it started what? falling apart, we felt like the least we could do is get you out of there. Oh, well, then thank you. What does a world not exist if we were there? That doesn't really make... Uh, yeah, that, that one doesn't make any sense. Lot of sense. Well, that's... Part of what we were there for. Phelan is a world that, because of a few incidents, um, no longer exists, as in um, it never existed. And what you were in is some sort of dreamscape. And we were trying to figure out who dreamt it and how it could, how somebody could dream of a world that never existed. Huh. And that's by time, like I said, by time we started really getting to what we thought was the the center of the situation, 
the entire place shattered. You don't know how you got there? If no one tells the story, Harold would try to recant like the best that he could. There's a trial, there's an old man, the festival, we were going to be guardian custodians of the memory forest. <laughs> they became nightmares. There was a giant slab. So you know the names of the creatures? Uh, I mean, one was slab-shaped and the other became... I'm a hobgoblin. Well, they seem very, like, that person, like, kind of leans towards you. It's like, but you used the word nightmares. Did I? You did. Well, Seemed like a nightmare to yeah. me. Is that what they're called? It definitely was not a good dream, though it became like a nightmare. Yes, those creatures that you encountered are nightmares. They are, and Hadir, because there's a lot to unpack about them, but the point is, they are creatures from the dreaming that usually have to exist inside the dreams of others. That's why we couldn't figure out what this whole thing was. Huh. Um, Harold would say, would remember what the, like the old man recanted to him about how he was supposed to like, they had to all go and how he was supposed to, he was like, you were supposed to possibly lead them. And Harold says it as though it's like, well, I don't know why they would say that about me, Harold, and how it felt like the one force was stronger, you know? My dear's uh, companion says, so this is all about you then. What? Well, according to your friend. Turn to Harold. No offense, but you're you're the one that's important. I think I'm cool with it. Be- I don't like the spotlight too much. That's not what I took from what he just said. He's, he said that all of you were. Oh, okay. I'm just a guy that gets spell components and a bounty hunter. Yeah, why would we be important to these nightmares? Hmm. Well, you're all lucid dreamers, they say. Yeah, what does that mean again exactly? That uh, term has been brought up a few times now. Usually when someone enters the dreaming, they they don't realize it. They kind of sit inside their little private dreamscape. They kind of sort through memories and wishes and anxieties and whatever else their dreamscape is made of. A lucid dreamer is somebody who is able to keep their wits about them. They have their own awareness and traverse their own dreamscape and make conscious decisions and usually, before too long, realize they're in a dream. And as some of you have noticed, depending on the dreamscape, you can start making certain decisions and they look down at Hopscotch's duck feet. (laughs) So those times where I like wrestled a bear and got the three count that kind of thing? Uh, If you were aware of it, then yes. Huh. But I can do much more of it like exist here. Yes, yes. Mercurius is something of a much more flexible aspect of the dreaming. So it's a little easier to play with some of the elements of the dreaming, such as duck feet. So, are we really here, or am I sleeping naked in my pub? Yeah, someone told us if we just we just try to wake up, we can wake up. Well, I guess I'm not quite sure. Most people, everyone here is not here. They're just simply dreaming, except for, and then they look over at Hadir, 
And they say, we're actually here. And, well, we're here because we chose to join up and become part of the Dreamwalkers. So. The what? The Dreamwalkers. What are those? Well, the Dreamwalkers were a group of individuals, obviously lucid dreamers, that were brought together because of the prophecies of a dwarf named Brummelstone, who warned us all years and years and years ago about what was to come. What was to come? The nightmares and their eventual inevitable onslaught upon a place of some importance called Stardust. Okay. What's that? And they kind of look at each other. We'll get into that, I suppose. But the only way to know if you're really here or not is to try to wake up. And the problem with that is that once you do, you're gone. I mean, at one, if we are not really here, then at some point we're going to leave anyway, right? That's true. That's true. I suspect by now, though, that you're probably really here. You've gone through a lot. At any point, you would have snapped out of it. How would we have just suddenly been here? I mean, no, I don't think we have your abilities to go through doors and whatnot. Well, I think I know the answer to that. Once we realize that we're here, we are now here. Kind of deal? I don't know. I, uh, I mean, I that's possible. So does that mean I have duck feet for real? You, <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. I mean, I'd be cool with it. I just need to know. <laughs> it's possible that that's the answer, but I'm beginning to suspect that the nightmares had very big plans for you, and they pulled you out of the waking. Okay. And brought you body and mind into the dreaming. They wanted us to merge with trees. And then, like, we would be the trees, and then they said they needed all four of us, and they were really PO'd that uh, Harold doesn't have a true name, and therefore... Well, I mean, hey, I have a name. Hey, man, it's cool. I like you. Okay. Just, I'm just, just saying, like, I mean, the slab guy was a little pissed. He was. And then we got thrown up by the trees. I, I mean, I've puked a lot in my life. I've never been to puke. Sometimes you're the puker, sometimes you're... The- Tyson kind of grabs it, so I'm like, mm, don't, let's not. I'm just saying, like, I see it from the other side now. I have perspective. Okay, let's just not, <laughs> let's not bring in uh, bodily functions like that. It's, it's not good for Appreciate me. You know, Dyson, yes. like, when you drink too much and you're just that, like, no, I, I know mm, what that mm, is. Okay, like, that's, I think that's. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, you feel it. It's like, gets here in your throat. Oh, and you're just like, and oh it's, no. Oh, and it just, and it burns a little, right? Stop. I've got, Guys, you know what I'm saying? Very it, inappropriate. Dyson walks away a little I'm bit. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> to breathe. What sort of. Put his head between his legs. The so, two dreamwalkers just are st- like they're staring at the whole thing in disbelief. <laughs> you sure you want us to be dreamwalkers? <laughs> oh no, um, that is not on the table. <laughs> Why? We, not, we didn't talk about that at all. We were talking about look. No offense, we weren't even there for you. Like I'm glad that we were able to save you, but we were there to figure out what's up with Phelan. Yeah, I mean, I don't care if you save me. I just like what's this dreamwalking thing. And they just look at each other. I'm here anyway. I don't... Well, what are we doing now, then, I suppose, is the question. 
That is a great question. Um, we can take you to your your home worlds if you would like. I mean, like, do you have like a hazing ritual or something? Because I can do that. I've done. I've been hazed like twelve <laughs> times. <laughs> I do worry that the nightmares will come for us again. Oh yeah, how yeah. Do we know they that's are? that's probably true. That's probably <laughs> true. I don't want to be caught off guard on that. I mean, if you want to like have like logical arguments against this, yeah. How, yeah, how would we protect ourselves from them coming again, I guess, is the question then. Yes. I go home. I uh, don't want to come back and then uh, you guys not be there for us. Yeah, well, I hopefully mean, now that you have your wits about you, you'll, you'll be able to look for the warning signs and protect yourselves. What are the warning um, signs? And they just look at each other. Dude, I passed out in my bar. I, I have no idea what the and warning I, signs are. I woke up in another world. Just Why won't you let me be a dreamwalker? This looks. I, I just, just want this. It's note. not even in my my power. <laughs> look, look, we're not even hiring this year. I mean, guys, I just work here. You got to speak I mean, to like, my manager. What He's not if, in okay, later. <laughs> intern? Are you taking interns? You don't got to pay me. I'm a very good mixologist. Mixologist. Yeah, Hadir just looks over and he's like, Shadow. I don't know what to do with this. And uh, the individual he called Shadow is like. Look, um, you all seem great. You seem like you got a lot of spunk. Um, let's just take you home, and then they both look behind you, and they're like, "Oh, what?" Low turn around. Turn around, yeah. Behind you is a set of stairs. It's a staircase that ascends into the ceiling, although there's no opening there. It's the sort of old but sturdy wooden stairs you would find in a tavern. Okay. Even though there's no opening. In the ceiling, you can see someone descending the staircase. Coming down the stairs, you see a pair of heavy leather boots, followed by green weathered slacks, worn leather gloves, and a tucked-in beige button-up shirt. A cloak of midnight blue drapes the figure, and if you were to look at the fabric long enough, you would swear that you could see the hint of an open night sky on a clear autumn night. A brown goatee sticks out from underneath the hood of the cloak, almost three inches in length. If you're looking for a face, you don't see one. You're honestly not even sure if the figure has one, but you somehow understand that it has a scar across its face. There's a satchel that hangs over the shoulder, and the individual comes down the stairs and says, that's that's enough, Shadow and Hadir. I, I thank you greatly for your service, but I think I would like to talk to these individuals by myself. Thanks for listening to Season 4, Episode 8, Inscrutable. Thanks to Kevin McLeod, Josh Woodward, and Shane Ivers for their music in this episode. Kevin's music can be found at Incompetech.com. Josh's music can be found at joshwoodward.com. And Shane's music can be found at silvermansound.com. Thanks also to Sirenscape for providing sound effects. You can find them at sirenscape.com. So can I have a DJ booth <laughs> in the game? Can that be mine? In the game? 
yeah, again, that'd be my bard's uh, uh, instrument of choice. You play electronic music and yeah, I like put on a like a dead mouse head and then (laughs) (laughs) don't don't do it in (laughs) Rolanus. Yeah, like what would like a a medieval style you know rave look like? On the plus, you definitely would have protection. There would be a lot of protestation or like a. What's that like? Light dancing object? lights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dancing yeah. lights. I'm Just pretty sure com- dancing lights was made for the that. Was made to concert. rave. <laughs> yes, I'm saying it's absolutely. If you're not, if you have dancing lights, you don't made rave. To rave, and it's just like <laughs> made to rave dancing lights. <laughs> That's actually the original name. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, I don't know. Raving will stay with it. <laughs> I don't know if raving's going to last. <laughs> yeah, but no. this game will. So we better call this dancing lights <laughs> problem fixed. I mean, it says dancing right in the name. Yes. We should make like a tree and go. <laughs> God damn it. What would you say? We should make like a tree and go. <laughs> it's get out of here, though, technically. Yeah. I was like, I know it's technically get out of here, but. It's leave, you idiot. Make like mm-hmm. a tree and leave. You sound like a damn fool when you say it like that. All right, then leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was doing Back to Future 2. That's, that's what I was saying. No, Frank. That was Back to the Future 2. When is Mr. Bill in Back to the Future 2? Well, I, I can't, <laughs> do, it. I can't do it. It was the pitch that threw uh, me off. Someone has clearly not seen the deleted oh, scenes. No! <laughs> oh, no. Oh, it's Miss Doubtfire. So <laughs> that's that's Doubtfire. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> God damn it. Match, make a match, make a match. Painting fades away, and there's a new hallway that opens with doors on both sides. I thought he was about the Morio Galaxy, yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> he runs up and jumps. Let's go. <laughs> that was too good. <laughs> he starts speed running it. He just keeps running backwards, <laughs> jumping backwards until it just breaks the fucking clipping.